Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Tonight, it's a new episode of All Rise, the legal drama where one judge is shaking up the system. When I take the bench, I'm taking a vow to fight for justice. One case at a time. Your Honor. We're going to trial. Simone Misick is Judge Lola Carmichael. Up on that bench. Everything is different. A new episode of All Rise. Freedom is at stake. It's important. Followed by a new episode of Bull, tonight at 9, 8 central on CBS. Tonight, it's the CBS original comedy, The Neighborhood. I need at least a month to prepare for a debate, not six hours. Actually, it's four hours. <laughs> no, my watch is broken, too. With Cedric the Entertainer, Max Greenfield, and guest star Wayne Brady. You gotta fund the schools or graduate fools. I stole all my lines. Look, don't worry, I got a plan. Okay, well, what is it? Okay, so I don't have a plan. A new episode of The Neighborhood. You're gonna have to give them a show. Tonight, 8, 7 central on CBS. Radio FNZ, Kyle Bailey with you. Final hour of the work week coming your way. Coming up in 45 minutes, we'll check in with Pops. Randy calls in. My dad joins me every Friday. He's here for the final segment. Uh, We'll get his race picks for Dover this weekend, the Monster Mile, and a few baseball picks from him as well. The Bailey bets are out. We got plenty more to get to, but right now, we continue the conversation, really the excitement, the anticipation as the Hornets Moving up in the draft for the first time in 21 years, they'll pick three overall in October's NBA draft. And we're talking all about who they may target, who they should be targeting. And we get some help from Gary Parrish, college basketball insider, CBS Sports Network, the Gary Parrish Show out in Memphis. He is back with us on the Technicom hotline. Gary, how are you, buddy? I'm hanging in there. You, you doing okay? I'm doing well. Do, doing a lot better today. I'm excited about uh, where the Hornets are headed and the fact that they've got this opportunity and uh, you and I have got a mutual friend, one of your colleagues out there, Mark Giannato, and I were, were chatting last night, and he said, hey, man, I, I think a lo- I think really highly of James Wiseman, said he's a great kid, good family, ran into some bad trouble with some agents, but you know that's a name that Hornets fans are discussing a lot this morning, and you, know, you got a, a good look at James Wiseman there for a little while. What should we think about James Wiseman here in Charlotte? If he's there at three, he certainly makes a, a lot of sense. He is a tremendously gifted um physical specimen i mean he only played three games at memphis but it was pretty obvious um a lot of the concerns some people had about him on the grassroots circuit you know uh playing uh on the nike eybl circuit um they had been alleviated like he was physically more overwhelming he was aggressive in a way that we had never seen you know dunking blocking altering everything he had the highest player efficiency rating in college basketball at the time that he quit the team, you know, the week before Christmas. So from a talent perspective, uh, there's really nothing to, to argue about. I mean, it's, it's all there. Um, the, the questions are, are about, you know, position. He is a center and only a center. And in the modern NBA, you know, centers are, are less valued than ever. So that has to be taken into consideration. And then, you know, it, it, it is true that he quit the team the week before Christmas in a way that I know was frustrating for the Memphis coaches and his teammates at the University of Memphis because, you know, they, they, they didn't think 
even though he had endured some NCAA issues, they didn't think he was the type of person who would just walk away. Now, family members played a role in that. I think his family, at least one member of the family, got sideways with Penny Hardaway, and it, the whole thing was complicated. But I know it is something that NBA front office executives have wanted to talk to him about and ask him about why a year after Zion Williamson refused to quit his team, even after he was injured and solidified as the number one pick in the draft and with people encouraging him to shut it down, why when he wouldn't do it and actually scoffed at the idea because he would never walk away from his teammates under those circumstances, why did James Wiseman choose a different path? It doesn't mean that um, he's a bad person, and it doesn't mean that he's somebody that shouldn't be taken in the top three, but it is something that has caused some people to, to question you know, exactly what motivates him. What's a comp in your mind for him? I was somebody that we were talking about this earlier. I've heard Joel Embiid and, and a couple others. Is is that the comp for James Wiseman at the next level? The two that I have heard that when I hear them, I sort of nod along. Chris Bosh and and David Robbins. Ah. you know he is he's he's not somebody who's going to live on the perimeter. In fact, you wouldn't want him to. But he is somebody who I, I believe in time will be able to be a fifth shooter on the floor in a time where lots of basketball teams are trying to have five shooters on the floor at, at all times. Um, he, 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 can, he takes that shot already. I don't know that he makes it at a reliable rate, but uh, I do believe he's got the ability to do it. And then on the other end of the court, you know, sometimes bigs get played off, of, uh, you know, get played off the court completely out of game simply because they can't guard in space. And I don't think that'll be a real issue for him because he is a tremendous athlete and somebody who runs really well. And so, I mean, if you told me he was a future six-time All-Star, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Like the, the, the ability and, and the physical presence is, is all there. Uh, I think the big question you've got to figure out with him is like, does he love basketball? Does he want to be great? Or has he always played because he's just naturally gifted in ways that most of us aren't? I, 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 I tend to think that, that all of that stuff will check out. And if I were having to bet on his career, I would bet it turns out well. But, but that is something that I know NBA front office executives are, um, are at least interested in exploring. Gary Parish, College Basketball Insider, CBS Sports Network, host of the Gary Parish Show on our sister station, 92.9 FM in Memphis. He's with us on the Technicom Hotline. Is Anthony Edwards, in your mind, the uh, the number one overall draft pick? Is it is it close enough to being secure, or is it still completely wide open? Well, I will tell you, I got an email minutes ago from you know some sports book, and they had all of the odds listed for favorite to be the number one pick, favorite to be the number two pick, favorite to be the number three pick. And according to this sports book, Anthony Edwards is the favorite to be the number one pick in the 2020 NBA draft. And he might be, although I don't think it's what I would do. Now, it's important to understand in this draft, there is not a clear, obvious number one pick like there was in 2003 with LeBron James or 2012 with Anthony Davis or even 2019 with Zion Williamson. It did not matter um, what franchise won the lottery in any of those years. Those players were going first overall. This year, I think more than most, 
um, the player who goes first was going to come down in some, uh, you know, on some level to, to team need. And so when the Timberwolves won the lottery last night, I, I don't want to say it absolutely eliminated Wiseman from number one contention, but it probably did because I don't know, again, when there's not a clear-cut, obvious number one, if you take a center number one, especially when you've already got a 24-year-old all-NBA center in Carl Anthony Towns under contract for the next four years. So I think they're probably picking between LaMelo Ball and Anthony Edwards, and it might be Anthony Edwards, but if you put me in charge, I would probably make it LaMelo Ball because I, though I don't think he's obviously the best prospect in this draft, I do think he is the best prospect in this draft, the one with the highest upside, most potential, and there's something intriguing about a D'Angelo Russell, LaMelo Ball backcourt. Flawed on the defensive end, sure, but having two primary ball handers who can both really, really see things well, uh, play in transition, and make passes that most basketball players, even point guards, can't make, that could really be a fun tandem with Carl Anthony Towns. Um, you know, uh, obviously uh, running things in the front court. See, I, I'm that's interesting to me. We got Gary Parrish with us on the Technicom hotline. The Lamelo thing, I, I'm open to Lamelo, right? I'm not the biggest Lavar fan in the world, but I don't think that should deter you from drafting this kid if he truly has the kind of ability and upside that you're talking about. The court vision, I think that's undeniable. I know the jumper's a little bit iffy. I think that can be worked on. The, the concern for me with LaMelo, as I've talked to Coach Matt Darty and Chris Patola and all sorts of other folks, is that he's got a really bad reputation on the defensive end and, and a few other things that you worry about. I mean, it, it, can you sell Hornets fans on, on, on LaMelo Ball? You kind of have already, but can you sell this fan base on LaMelo? Yes. Um, the, the, the shooting numbers are bad, and, and that's undeniable. Like, I can't argue with, with numbers, statistics. But a lot of it, if you watch him play, a lot of it is just bad shots. You know, nobody's ever really tried to reel him in and say, this is a shot you take, this is a shot you, you don't take. Like the first time I saw LaMelo Ball, he was 13 years old. I was out in Las Vegas and looking honestly for just any story to do, something interesting, and somebody said, have you, have you done anything on the Ball family? And I'm like, well, what is the Ball? I don't even, like, this was before Lonzo was at UCLA. Nobody knew LeVar Ball. I, like, I talked to him in a gym. Nobody bothered us or even said a word. Literally one year later, he, he couldn't even walk into a gym without it being a circus. He had a camera crew with it. But somebody tells me, and this is all I knew, the oldest kid is probably going to UCLA. He's great. He's got two younger brothers and the parents coach the grassroots team, and it's a mixed-race couple. I said, okay, well, that sounds interesting. I'm going to go watch them. And LaMelo was 13 years old. He was probably five foot five at the time, and he looked out of place, but he could still play. He was launching jumpers from all over the court, doing a lot of the stuff you see him do now. It's just that now he's six foot seven instead of, like, five foot five. And the, the interesting thing about him – is that we've never really seen him play against people his own age. When he was 13, he was playing against 17-year-olds. 14, playing against 17-year-olds. He goes to high school. He's playing as a freshman against seniors. Then he becomes a professional when he's like a supposed to be a sophomore in high school or junior in high school. Then he's playing as a professional as an 18-year-old in Australia. And yet he has always um, been able to, to hold his own. And 
as long as you can get the shot to be quality, he's so good at the other stuff that it's hard to imagine him not being a successful high-end NBA player. And if you want to focus on his lack of defensive whatever, like it's there, you'll see it. But the, the NBA is a league where, I mean, James Harden, you know, doesn't really guard anybody on the perimeter and he's an MVP. Steph Curry is not known as a strong perimeter defender and he's a, you know, two-time MVP, three-time world champion. Um, he needs to be better and, and be focused on that end, commit to it. But I do think he can be good enough. And I guess I would bottom line it this way. Um, so often when people talk about prospects, they, they focus on what they, they, what they believe they can't do or what they don't do well. And what I've found over the years is that it, it's better often to focus on what is this person exceptional at. And some of the stuff LaBello Ball can do at 18 years old, the way he sees the court, the way he makes plays in pick-and-roll situations, the way he creates baskets in transition, uh, just like it's not normal. Most 18-year-olds cannot do or even see the things that he can do and see. And it's all translatable to the NBA. It's why, again, I, I guarantee nothing, but if you told me to identify the person who's got the best chance to, to someday be a Hall of Famer and the centerpiece of a franchise, I do think in this draft that person is LaMelo Ball. All right, so we go from the uh, the fresh, green-around-the-gills 18-year-old to the wise, long-in-the-tooth 22-year-old Obi Toppin. I love him, Gary. I love Obi Toppin. I, I love the fact that he grew seven inches in four years, thought he was going to be a guard, shot up to 6'9". He's got a jumper. You don't question, at least from everything that I hear, anything about his ability, his commitment. Uh, I talked to Seth Greenberg earlier, and Seth said, I'm not sure if he's a top-five pick. I, I disagree. I mean, if, they, if Toppin were the pick at three, I would be thrilled. But what is your view on Obi Toppin? If there, there is no scenario in my mind outside of injuries derailing his career that Obi Toppin is not one of the five best players from this draft. I, I love him, too. And if I, I don't think he'll be picked first overall. So I've never listed him as the first overall pick. But if I were running the franchise that was picking first overall, I know most people don't consider him a real option. I would absolutely consider him a real option because – Honestly, the only real drawback is that he's 22 years old, and I'm not certain that should be a real drawback. You're talking about somebody you mentioned. He went through a growth spurt. You know, he was a guard coming out of high school and just an average guard coming out of high school, so much so that he didn't have a single Division One offer. But then he went to a prep school, and he grew to like six foot nine. And it's a little similar to the Anthony Davis story. Like one of the reasons Anthony Davis developed into – the number one prospect in America, the National Player of the Year at Kentucky, the number one pick of the New Orleans Pelicans, and now, you know, a top two player on the team that is, you know, among the favorites to win the world championship at the NBA level is because he was a guard for much of his life who then grew to power forward center height, but still maintained a lot of those guard skills. That's Obi Toppin. He was a guard most of his life, and then he grew. So then he became this super athletic, bouncy power forward, but he still had some guard skill. He knocked down shots from the perimeter at a rate of 39%. That's his three-point percentage. That is rock solid for a college basketball player. He led the nation in dunks, so that tells you he can do anything he wants to do uh, around the rim. Uh, I think in a, the modern NBA where power forwards are largely stretch fours, 
you want him to be stretch four athletes, like he checks that box completely. And so, again, I don't think he'll go number one. But if he did, I would not call it dumb. And if Charlotte seriously considered him at number three, um, it would make a lot of sense to me because, again, um, I, I think he's the safest pick in this draft. And not just safe in the sense that you're avoiding disaster. I think he's safe, but also – you know, the ability for stardom is also there. Gary Parrish, you're the man. Exactly what I was looking for, brother. Have a great show. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, I appreciate you, man. Take care of yourself. There you go. Gary Parrish, CBS Sports Network college basketball insider, host of the Gary Parrish Show on our sister station out in Memphis with us on the Technicom hotline. More on the other side. I, I want to talk more about Obi Toppin, and there's another prospect similar to Obi Toppin who I think deserves some conversation. That's next here in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNC. Sports Radio FNZ. Live from Charlotte every weekday and now heard around the world on the radio.com app. It's the Mac Attack. This is Sports Radio FNZ. Having fun. Been a good show. Having a blast on a Friday. Uh, coming up in 25 minutes, Pops is back. Randy calls in at 145. We haven't talked to Dad in a couple of weeks. We'll get his picks for Dover this weekend. I'll bounce the Bailey bets off of him and uh, whatever else he wants to get into. Kyle Bailey with you here on Sports Radio FNZ. And, and we're talking about, obviously, the NBA draft. Because last night, the Charlotte Hornets finally got some draft lottery luck. Uh, which is not something that many Hornets fans thought was coming. But, you know, I directly attribute that to, to this show because yesterday we said we feel like something good's in the air. You know, the 2020 curse, you know, that is maybe the worst calendar year in the history of humanity, one of them anyway, uh, would, would lend itself to make you believe that that could be a reversal of fortune for the Hornets, right? Because it couldn't get any worse. And on top of that, I, I offered up my beard as a sacrificial gift to the basketball gods to cut the Hornets a break. So quite frankly, I'm taking credit for the whole thing. And and we didn't get the first overall pick, uh, but top three pick for the Hornets. And, and that's a good thing after a season where I think it became pretty apparent they've got some building blocks, but there's still a need to add more. Smoke, what you got? Well, and, and that's the thing now. It's like, all right, are any of these guys going to be a superstar transcendent one to really help these building blocks or is it going to be another building block and we might have to wait another year or two to really have a chance at that transcendent star all right well see here's the thing talking about the draft i've got a bunch of people weighing in on this and i got a few of these to read on twitter especially um you know i, I got people one guy saying i just watched about a half an hour of obi Toppin, and you're right he's the real deal then i got nada on twitter saying i get why you love obi but a one-way big who's going to have issues defending better be phoenix amari on offense to justify the selection i hear you too but Lamelo ball doesn't play a lick of defense at all he does not play defense and oh by the way right now he can't shoot and while i think you can fix that while i think you can improve that it's not a guarantee a lot of folks thought they could fix Ricky Rubio's jump shot, too. Hasn't really worked out that way. Not everybody turns into an above-average shooter despite having a broken J upon entering the NBA. And, and on top of that, I loved what Gary Parrish said about it being akin to the Anthony Davis story when it comes to Obi Toppin. Same kind of thing. Now, these were you know high school basketball players, guys who were 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", 
weren't getting big-time Division One looks or offers or any attention. And then in the span of a year or two or three, they shoot up seven, eight, nine inches. And all of a sudden, they're 6'9", six, 6'10", six, with a guard skill set and the ability to shoot. That is Obi Toppin. Now, Rob hit me up earlier and said, but yeah, li- listen, KB, he's got a little bit of issue, you know, in terms of you know, defending laterally. That, that might catch him at the NBA level. But, you know, Rob said ultimately that he liked him. I, I, I understand the concerns. The lack of defense, though, absolutely applies to not just LaMelo, but to all of these young guys. You think any of these young guys really know how to play defense at the NBA level right now? Anthony Edwards sure doesn't. I mean, he, he might turn into a very good defender, but Anthony Anthony Edwards is not stepping onto the NBA level next year and becoming an above-average defender. They're all going to take some time to reach whatever level they reach defensively. Okay? Luka Doncic, this, a special player. Special player. I mean, just set the record for playoff debut for points. I mean, he's a special player. Couldn't defend his way out of a wet paper bag. But he's still talked about as being an all-time great, potentially, by some, because of what? His offensive skill set. I'll take an Obi Toppin at 22. He, he's not the, the typical 22-year-old coming out of college. Again, I go back to what Gary Parrish said, and he laid out that story very well. When you have that kind of uh, you know, ascendance or that kind of growth spurt to 6'9 with a guard skill set, and he burst on the scene as the Naismith Player of the Year, he's got a high motor, his teammates love him, the coaches love him. Oh, I'll take that guy. Absolutely. Now, people also pointing out Obi Toppin's redundant for the Hornets with Bridges and P.J. Washington. How many small ball forwards do we need? If we can trade one of those others, then Toppin's a great pickup, but you can't keep all three. Well, maybe not long term, but that's a pretty good problem to have. And while I don't think you're talking about Toppin coming in and starting right away, you know, if, if you have him coming off the bench with you know, Malik Monk, for instance, as part of that second unit, love that. Absolutely love that. And then at some point down the road, maybe you're playing more of a small ball lineup with Toppin and P.J. Washington, you know, and Devontae Graham and Terry Rozier and maybe uh, maybe Cody Martin or somebody else they find. You know, something along those lines. I, I think they have some small ball ideas in mind for this roster. I, I, and I'd be fascinated to see what that looks like, certainly after the success that Houston is having uh, with a, a 6'5 P.J. Tucker playing center for that team. So th- this this is what's fun about the Hornets drafting third overall. And especially in this draft, because you can walk away from this draft in October, assuming they don't do something wild out of left field that that stuns everybody. You can legitimately walk away with third overall pick thinking you got the best player in the draft because of the way this draft class looks right now. Smoke, what you got? Yeah, and and that's the thing that makes it interesting. You know, I heard T-Bone earlier on the Mac attack say, you know, the problem with the third pick is, well, the top two guys are already going to be taken, and those are the two guys that really people are only caring about. What top two guys? Yeah, that's the point. I, that's where I disagreed with Bone there. By the way, it, it kind of felt bad because, like, man, we just had this big moment, and Mac was all positive for once after all these Panthers news this offseason, and T-Bone had to bring him back down. Everybody was calling Boney a wet blanket this morning. I saw that. Yeah, it, well, I guess it's because the Knicks had the eighth pick. So, <laughs> uh, but, Look, if you're a Knicks fan, you're walking around salty all the time anyway. So, But, yeah, I mean, look. This draft, I think part of the reason why we don't know is because it feels so close. The gap is so close between, let's say, 1 and 10. So, yeah, you could easily go around with the eighth pick. It's not like last year where we were all just calling it the Zion Williamson uh, sweepstakes and the top three picks were already determined, basically, before the lottery was even picked. So that's what makes this draft interesting. Yeah, the Hornets could pick third. 
but they could also get the best guy. They could have picked 10th. They could have gotten the best guy. Look, we can get the slogan going now. I'm going to start making the t-shirts. Ain't no stopping Obi Toppin. All right, that's that's just what it's all about. There ain't no stopping Obi Toppin. I would love Toppin. I'd be very happy with James Wiseman. I'm open to LaMelo Ball. I, I know enough about Denny Avia that he's interesting, but I know a lot of people out there saying, KB, I see him drawing Nick Batum comparisons. I'm out. So we're, we're probably going to get a lot of that too. But I, those, I'd be I'd be happy with, with Toppin, happy with James Wiseman. I could get on board with LaMelo Ball, depending upon how they, they explain it, though I, I wouldn't be thrilled about it at first. I get it. Some people love him. I'm just, I'm on the fence when it comes to LaMelo. All right, I'm going to give you another statement here for Obi Toppin. What? When the Hornets draft Ovi Toppin, them bottles will be popping. Oh, my God. We're going to keep doing it. See, that's the thing. It's endless. The marketing opportunities with Ovi Toppin are endless. I mean, I'm sure there's some some Star Wars stuff you could pull off with Ovi, right? Hang on. When Ovi Toppin dunks the ball, he'd be hopping on them Jordans. Not, uh-uh, terrible. Okay. No, no, no. You, gotta th- no, you need to workshop that one. I got one. No. Nope. No, you got one. Like, Let's not get greedy. That second one needs to be workshopped quite a bit. There, there wasn't enough rhyming. In that one. All right. 704-570-9610. Asa Abloy phone lines. Building center text line. Hit us up. Follow me on Twitter at Kyle Bailey Club. It's at Kyle Bailey C-L-U-B. Uh, somebody asked earlier, am I crazy to think the Panthers are going to start 3-1 and one this season? Well, I guess it depends on who you ask. Quite frankly. I think they beat the Raiders to start the season. I haven't even seen the latest line on that game. I got to look it up. I got to find out. I, I know with, when we looked at it the day after the schedule release, it was a pick 'em. And then we talked to, I think, Kelly in Vegas a couple of weeks back. And she said, actually, in the offshore books, it opened up with the uh, the Raiders as a, a three point favorite. And then the, uh, the Sharps, I guess, jumped in and moved that line back to a pick 'em. I like the Panthers week one at home against the Raiders. I really do. I, I, I know that, you know. Derek Carr has taken some unnecessary heat, and you know he's better than people think, and yeah, so on and so forth. John Gruden's a quarterback. Is I, I I like the Panthers week one at home against the Raiders. There's no tape, there's no tendencies. Uh, John Gruden's not going to have. I mean, Gruden can can watch Baylor and Temple tape to his heart's content, but I think the Panthers can absolutely take the Raiders by surprise a bit in week one with the benefit of being at home. I'm not going to call it Lock City or anything because I could absolutely see this defense getting torched for 500 yards, but I also think the Panthers stand a very good chance to win that game. So I can't go with you, listener, on 3-1, and one, but I could go with you on 1-0 and oh against the Raiders, absolutely. Yeah, and you also got to think, maybe it would be a good thing for this Panthers defense to play Derek Carr in Week 1 because he's not going to be a guy that's going to torch you down the field. The, the, the criticism on Derek Carr is he plays it way too safe Correct. no matter what. So I think maybe that could help the young secondary for Carolina. But outside of that, I don't think they're beating Tampa Bay. Probably not. They not may, on the road, definitely. No, definitely not. I mean, they might beat L.A., but besides Justin Herbert, I'm not a big fan of them. That team is really good, so maybe not. And then Arizona. I mean, Kyle, it's tough. I mean, Kyler Murray impressed me as the season went on last year. I, I don't know what he'll ultimately end up being, but Kyler Murray impressed me as the season went on last se- last year. So I, you know, that's that's a tough one. You're right. They're, I don't think they go to. They're not going to Tampa week two and winning. Um, may, maybe, maybe L.A. I don't know. I, that, I think that's Tyrod Taylor's team right now. Um, and and I, Tyrod's not going to be in the Hall of Fame anytime soon. But he's solid. I mean, he's a very, very solid, you know, very uh, disciplined quarterback. I don't think he's going to turn the ball over. I, I just, I have a hard time seeing that one. And then to your point, Arizona got better. But then again, I don't know. I'm st- I'm not a Cliff Kingsbury believer. So I, I'm I'm encouraged by Kyler Murray's progression last year, 
But I'm, I don't know how anybody could be a Cliff Kingsbury believer at this point. So getting back to a text or three and one, I'll, I'll be right there celebrating popping bottles with you if that happens. I, I'm just not putting any money on that. I think the Raiders week one's absolutely winnable. Not week two, maybe L.A., possibly Arizona. But then at that point, I, I just this team is not good enough right now. And the thing about the, the Raiders matchup that also, I was going to say this defensive front with Burns and KK and, and Brown and you know. I think they're going to make some offenses very uncomfortable at times this season. Raiders have a pretty good offensive line coming back. You know, that that's one of the strengths of that team, barring injuries, of course. They got a pretty good offensive line coming back. So I don't know that the Panthers' defensive front, as disruptive as I think they can be at times this year, will find as much success against the Oakland Raiders' offensive line. I could be wrong about that, and I certainly hope that I am. But, man, it's nice to be talking about football again because, you know, no matter how much we we have to debate back and forth as to whether or not we'll see any college football this year, the one thing I'm pretty certain about is that we will watch the NFL, be it on Sundays or Saturdays and Sundays. I don't know. We're going to see the NFL this year, at, at least to a certain extent. I think the entire 16 games. So it, it's nice to be talking real football again. Speaking of real football, practice is rolling on up at Cedar Street this morning. It rained throughout, but interesting things going on there. Uh, Joey Sly, perfect five for five in the rain. Bridgewater looks sharp. McCaffrey doing McCaffrey things. Shaq Thompson back on the field after yesterday out with injury. But Omar Bayless, the undrafted wide receiver out of Arkansas State, he's now missed three straight practices with swelling in his knee. That's not good. Uh, But, you know, lots of news and notes coming out of Panthers practices. Oh, by the way, yesterday, uh, Matt Rule telling the media after Joseph Charlton, the punter, and apparently had a decent day that, uh, you know, he's looked all right. But, you know, we're we're going to keep our eye open. If we need to bring in some talent, we'll bring in some talent. And then, boom, an hour later, <laughs> they shot somebody else. They, I mean, it's the curse is real. If Matt Rules mentions your name, you might be in trouble. It happened yesterday. No question about it. All right, we'll come back. We'll catch you up on the rewind. And then Pops is calling in. Randy joins the show coming up in about 13 minutes. We'll get his race picks at Dover this weekend. We'll run the Bailey bets by him. We'll chop it up with Dad to wrap up the work week. You're in the clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Sports Radio FNZ. Listen anywhere, anytime. Download the radio.com app today. It's the Mac Attack. This is Sports Radio FNZ. Wrapping up the show, wrapping up the work week. Coming up in 20 minutes, Wilson and Parcel, although I think it's just Wilson this afternoon. Parcel's at a, a wedding up in Richmond, I'm told. So, uh, Wilson this afternoon, and, uh, you know, he's got some expertise in this. Being a lifelong Cleveland sports fan, he knows a thing or two about uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers getting a bunch of top three picks throughout the course of the draft. So, maybe he can apply that uh, Cleveland sports fandom, that, that long-standing Cleveland Lottery pick wisdom to some of what the Hornets are going through right now. Again, that's coming up 20 minutes from now. And here in about seven, eight minutes, we'll chat with uh, my dad. Randy's back to joining us every Friday to give us his race picks. And, of course, we'll bounce the Bailey bets off of him and see what he thinks about the pick tonight. The Braves on the money line with Max Freed on the hill. I like him as a bonus pick over eight, but we'll just throw it on the Bailey bet tally as we'll try to make it two winning weeks in a row. In the Bailey bets, ten and six last week. We're six and three on the week so far. Took last night off, and we'll try to make this a, a resounding 
winning week starting tonight. But it's been a lot of fun, man. We've had some good conversations today. Talk to Seth Greenberg, two-time ACC Coach of the Year, ESPN College Basketball Analyst. He had some very interesting things to say, and lots of folks did. Doug Rice talking about the race. Let's, uh, let's let you hear about it. Let's catch up on what you've missed. It's time for the Rewind. And we go back to our number one, Seth Greenberg. Again, two-time ACC Coach of the Year, ESPN College Basketball Analyst, host of ESPN's College Game Day, one of them. On the two players he thinks stand out to him for the Hornets with the number three overall pick. My gut feeling is James Wiseman. His upside is incredible uh, if he's available. Uh, you know, now he's got a little Chris Bosh in him. He can run the floor. He can block shots. His motor doesn't run all the time. And he didn't have a full year of basketball, obviously, this year due to the situation in Memphis. I really like him. I also like Neka Okongwu. Uh, I think Okongwu is Bam Adebayo 2.0. Uh, now, they need more of a star player, and I think Wiseman's upside might be a little bit higher. But Congo uh, is a guy that's going to bring it every single day. He can rebound the ball. He can switch in ball screens and keep the guards in front. Uh, he's relentless on the glass. Uh, he can score in short roll situations and is a pretty good passer. Uh, those are probably the two guys that, you know, to me, jump out and, and fill their need. So a couple things there. James Wiseman would be fine by me. I, I, w- I would really like the pick. I understand there are a couple of caveats there, and those make sense. Okay, that pick, fine. The Onyeko Gonkwu for the Hornets, I've seen him mocked to Charlotte a couple of times, but it's mostly been in the 7-8-9 range. So, I mean, I guess that's in keeping with the theme of this year's draft, that it's wide open, and anybody could go technically anywhere. And if you really want to get people excited, those who've been paying attention to the NBA, I'll take a Bam Adebayo comparison because Bam Adebayo has taken off like a rocket in terms of his development in the past year so I'll, I'll take that for sure I mean that's that's high praise to this point from Seth Greenberg to say Ogonku has some Bam Adebayo on him you'll take it it's still a risk I'm surprised he threw him in that conversation. Smoke, you look antsy. What's going on? I love Onyeko Kongwu. He's one of my favorite guys in this draft. He's an off- He can play offense. He's kind of that click Capella Bam out of bio mode that fits the modern-day NBA player. Plus, you talk about guys already struggling on defense, you don't have to worry about it with him. No, that's true. So, again, Wiseman, yes. I would love that. I would love I would love Wiseman. Somebody else, I think it was uh, Jay on Twitter a couple of minutes ago, saying, come on, there's three guys the Hornets can take, and Obi Toppin's not one of them. You haven't been paying attention, man. <laughs> this thing is wide open. The only thing remotely close to a consensus here is that Anthony Edwards goes number one, and even Vegas doesn't think that's a surefire lock. It's wide open. There are lots of ways to go about nailing this draft if you're the Charlotte Hornets. I should say a couple anyway. Later in the show, Doug Rice, president, anchor, Performance Racing Network. They're racing in Dover this weekend, and Doug Rice offered some thoughts on if Jimmy Johnson can break his drought soon. There was a time six years ago that you went to the racetrack, and when we were practicing and everything, you measured yourself against the times that Jimmy Johnson and Chad Canals were putting up in practice. Uh, I have not heard anybody, of course, this year, is kind of throwaway because we're not having practice. They're not measuring themselves against Jimmy Johnson anymore. They're measuring themselves against Kevin Harvick and Denny Hamlin and Brad Keselowski. And when you've gone three years plus without a W, uh, there's a time that that becomes a trend and it's not coincidence. And I think we're at that stage in Jimmy Johnson's career. The people in the NASCAR world would love to see him 
go out with a W in his final season. Jeff Gordon did. Tony Stewart. Matt Kenton. All those guys finished up with that uh, one shining moment. And people want that for Jimmy Johnson. Although, I'm going to be honest, I don't know that that's a realistic want at this point. So, Chase Elliott's sitting on the pole this weekend for the, the race up at Dover, coming off a, a road course win at Daytona last weekend. Smoke, do you, I mean, we'll get to this with Dad in just a second, but, I mean, Chase sitting on the pole this weekend, do you like him at Dover? Yeah, he's had some really good races, won a race at Dover, All, almost came close to winning some more, so I could actually see it, and the Hendrick cars are starting to look strong again. We'll see where it goes. But uh, the three doubleheaders at, at Dover this weekend, starting with the Arca Series and the Truck Series today at the motor, at the Monster Mile. Finally, James Borrego, head coach of your Charlotte Hornets, gave us some thoughts on the Hornets landing the number three pick last night in the lottery. That's been a long time, but uh, we're excited. We're thrilled. Uh, obviously, we were excited before this, um, but this just adds to uh, the momentum we have. Um big night for us. I'm excited for Hornet fans to bring uh, another exciting player into the fold. Uh, we got another, you know, 30 second pick and a late second. So, uh, but last night was, was huge. You know, we're, we've tried to do our part along the way. We got to work hard. We got to develop. We got to control what we can. But a lot of times you, you need a little luck to, to fall your way. And uh, we had some of that last night. And now uh, we got to get to work. There you go. James Borrego joining the show earlier. If you missed it, well, you know where to go. The radio.com app. Yeah, you can still check it out at the brand new WFNC website, WFNZ.com. But the radio.com app, use the rewind feature. It's like DVR for radio. Any segment, any show for a 24-hour period, you can bounce right back and forth. Anything you want to listen to, download the radio.com app today. Use the rewind feature. You can carry WFNZ with you in your pocket just about anywhere you go. All right, it's Friday, and uh, though it, it might be a different time than what you've become accustomed to over the past couple of years, we go right back to it. It's Friday, it's the final segment, and we bring in my dad. Randy is with us on the Technicom hotline to wrap up the week. Pops, what you up to? I'm still at work, getting ready to leave. I hear you. All right, we were just talking about uh, Dover a minute ago. Chase Elliott sitting on the pole, and uh, I won't be surprised at all if Chase is one of your picks, but uh, for the folks out there that... Live and die by your, your race picks each week. What do you have for them today? I uh, got them finishing the same way they're lined up to start tomorrow. Really? Uh, yep. I think Chase and Hamlin. Chase is, uh, I think Chase is ready to, he had that race one a couple of years ago. And, of course, Denny, or uh, I think it was Denny knocked him out of the way. But, anyway, I, I like, uh, I think Chase's car is going to be really good. It was, he was excellent at Daytona and uh, had a lot of speed in that car, and I think that uh, you're going to see it again Saturday. All right. I just talked to Smoke about that, so I don't need to, to bounce that off of him. What did you, By the way, what did you think about the road course at Daytona last weekend? Well, I, I enjoyed it. Of course, you know, Chase won. But uh, uh, for them not to have, you know, most of them, there was only a handful that had any experience on that track. I thought that uh, I thought they did it well. And uh, you got to be got to be impressed with Chase on these road courses. Uh his, of course, you know, his dad's first win was at a road course in California, so uh, it kind of runs into blood a little bit. Yeah, that it does. All right, one of the Bailey Betts picks for tonight. Break it down for me. We've got the Braves and the Phillies. Max Freed versus Aaron Nola. Braves are a favorite at home. Freed's pitching his tail off as of late. I'm going with the Braves on the money line at home. What do you think? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the Phillies. I, I, uh, Bryce Harper's actually playing some good baseball and 
uh, I think it'll be a close game. I think you might see a four to three game or a three to two game, but uh, I think the Phillies might pull this one out. Have we? I don't think we've agreed on a baseball pick in like a in like six months. Uh, <laughs> I think maybe you're getting better at me, but uh, kind of makes it interesting if we don't pick the same. Okay, that's but, fair. That's fair. I get that. Can the Braves fix this rotation in time to to make it count for anything, or, or is it too far gone? Uh, I don't know because uh, I think they're still waiting on Cole Hamels to get back, and I, I'm not sure. I think Cole Hamels is what 35 now. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I don't think he's the answer. Uh, with the shortened season like this, it's gonna it's gonna be pretty hard. Uh, I think they should have signed uh, uh, Keuchel. I, sh- I think they should have. Yeah, probably should have brought him back. Probably so. What have you thought of the baseball so far in the empty stadiums? I I, I think it's been pretty good. Uh, no, I don't have any complaints. Uh, you know, it's. I'm sure. I was thinking about it last night when I was watching uh, watching the Dodgers in Seattle. I'm sure it's harder on the players than it is on us because we're we're there. We're we're all at, when we're at the house. You know, we're watching the players. We're we're really not all that interested about what's going on up in the stands. But uh, for the players, I'm sure it's it's completely different to be able to hear everything. I mean, if you've uh, seen any of the Dodger games, you know, Jock Peterson. I didn't realize it, but he's got a pretty pretty bad potty mouth. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, I, you know, I, I know you're watching that. Speaking of that, the uh, how cool has that Seeger series been? The boys from up the road here in Kannapolis. That's been pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I'm telling you, uh, there's a good possibility that uh, that Corey Seeger could give uh, everybody a run for MVP this year if he stays healthy. Yeah, that's true. All right, look, I got to run. I'm glad we did this. We'll do it again next week. Okay. You guys have a good weekend. Love you. There you go. Dad with us on the Technicom hotline wrapping up the week. And, uh, well, actually, I might have jumped the gun on that. I probably had time for one more. I, <laughs> I looked at the clock wrong. I probably had time for one more question. I don't think we've agreed on a baseball pick in like in like six months. I, I don't know if I've gotten the better of him or vice versa, but I don't think we've agreed on a ball game on a, on a pick like that in at least six months. We'll see. I like the Braves on the money line tonight. Love Freed. I, I still think the Braves are, are showing some resiliency. They're hanging in there. They're keeping their heads above water. I don't know how much longer that can last, but I love the fight that I'm seeing in them, and today's been a hell of a lot of fun, too. I mean, this has been great. We have something. We have a communal reason to celebrate on the Charlotte sports landscape for the first time in what feels like forever, and I love that. And now we can disagree on Wiseman or LaMelo or Toppin or Avia or whoever. That's fine. That's what sports radio is for. We can do this all next week, and I fully intend to. We can debate each pick. But I just it's so nice to once again have a communal experience, Smoke, to celebrate on the Charlotte sports landscape because Panthers have been kind of depressing for a while. Yeah, and uh, this is a top 10 Hornets moment for me during my lifetime. That's how dire it's been. This is top 10 for you. Top 10. Yeah, I can see that. No, I can't. I can see that. All right, we got to tip our caps. Did you know that Twin Peaks Lodges are built specifically to make sure fans have the best view from every angle? Get out of your stale living room and get to Twin Peaks for game day. Sports are back, and so is Twin Peaks. Smoke, what you got? Tip my cap to Ron Rivera. I feel like you're going to kick cancer's butt. Yep. Go ahead and do it. Uh, just tremendous what he's been able to do this year, and I think he'll be able to do some more despite this. This is only a bump in the road for him. I, I couldn't agree more. I will join Smoke in that because Ron Rivera is obviously one of my one of our favorite people. He's a friend of the show. He's he's very generous with his time. If he's got time, he gives it to me on this show, and I appreciate him for doing that. And so, tip of the cap to Ron Rivera and to Stephanie and Courtney Rivera with that team around him. They're gonna they're gonna kick cancer's butt. I'll tip my cap to Devontae Graham too for last night being the good luck charm that led the Hornets to a top three pick. Tip of the cap to who should be the NBA's most improved player. 
We're back on Monday. We'll talk to you then. For Evan Smoke Ludwig, I'm Kyle Bailey. This has been the Clubhouse on Sports Radio FNZ. Shake and bake. What does that do? Did that blow your mind? That just <laughs> happened.